Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to a Mouse Clubhouse conversation. Hi, this is Scott Wolf, and this conversation is with Sonny Anderson. Sonny started his Disney career as a musician for Disneyland in 1956, and he went on to be the director of casting and talent booking for both Disneyland and Walt Disney World. He became legendary in the music industry. He was an officer and board member of the Board of Directors of the Country Music Association, president of the International Entertainment Buyers Association, president of the International Foundation of Jazz, member of ASCAP, the American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers, a member of the American Federation of Musicians, and the founder and president of Bravo World Music. Sonny played an essential part in the history of Disney theme parks, and I'm so happy I got to know him before he passed away in 2010. I'm joined today by Stan Fries, the Director of Talent Booking for Disneyland, to help add some additional insight about his good friend. How would you describe Sonny? Sonny was, he, that was the perfect name. His real name was Walter, uh, but Sonny was always Sonny. He always had a smile. No matter what, he would always have a smile. And uh, in fact, there's one time before uh, he was working full-time at Disneyland, uh, he was working over at the Blue Bayou, uh, in a little group there with a fellow by the name of Judd Donat. And, uh, but Sonny would always come in late. All the time he was late. And so <laughs> Judd was telling me these stories about Sonny being late all the time. And I said, Judd, why didn't you just fire him? And Judd <laughs> said, how can you fire a guy named Sonny? <laughs> but, so Sonny was that way. He, was, he, he just loved musicians. Uh, he took care of musicians. More than one time I would get a call... Uh, from Florida when he, I was here in Anaheim, or vice versa, and he would say, tell me about some musician that needed some money. He'd say, Stan, just go over there and give him four or five hundred bucks, and uh, when I see you the next time, I'll pay you back. No kidding. So I would do that. You know, I would, I would whoever it was that had, that had talked to Sonny about needing money, oh. and Sonny just made me the, the, the pack mule. Oh, man. <laughs> I was the contact. I would just go over there and say, hey, Sonny wants you to have this. And then Sonny would pay me back. That's amazing. His, I'm sure he was out of his own pocket every time. Really? Yeah. You've told me that Sonny was a mentor to you. Wasn't he also the one who hired you? Yes, he sure was. There was uh, actually three people involved in my hiring. It was Bob Yanni, Jim Christensen, and Sonny Anderson. So uh, I started my relationship with Sonny even before the park opened uh, at Walt Disney World in 1971 because he had already interviewed me for the job. Did you and Sonny ever work together? Yeah, we worked a long time together, matter of fact. So uh, I worked with him uh, from 1971 when we opened the park uh, at Walt Disney World in Orlando. He still was based pretty much out of Anaheim, but we'd be in Orlando a lot. So I had an opportunity uh, to see him and work with him in Orlando uh, up until the time I left, just you know, a couple of years later, and came out to Anaheim. He was instrumental in me coming back out to Anaheim uh, to be director of bands at Disneyland at that time. So director of bands at that time was more than just leading the Disneyland band. Back then it also meant that I helped coordinate and, uh, and audition for uh, the other small bands in the park and so in that relationship, I was working with Sonny on a constant basis. Then in 1983, Sonny pulled me out of the band leadership position altogether and uh, had me be a talent casting director with him for Disneyland. That's neat. 
Well, let's get to the conversation with Sunny. This is from 2008, and we were at Disneyland. We found a quiet spot to talk in Frontierland, but during that time, you'll hear everything from excitable children to an old West show to the bells and whistles of the Mark Twain riverboat in the background. Here's Sunny Anderson. What were you doing before you worked for Disney, and how did you end up coming to Disney? I was playing in Long Beach uh, when I got out of the service, and I was playing nights in a club, uh, and then a, a friend of mine got me in the, the Long Beach uh, concert band. And, um, and so I was playing there, and then I was playing in a club, nightclub. They had uh, different acts in there, and we backed them up. And then in between the two, I was teaching. Really? Yeah. What for, were you teaching? I was all teaching all uh, vibes and the drums and, uh, you know, all uh, that kind of stuff. And then uh, in the club I was playing in at night, uh, a friend of mine uh, was, he got the job out here. And uh, it was the regular band they had here. And, and he called me and he said, uh, they need you to come over because they only have two drummers and they need somebody to play the percussion stuff. And he said, come on out and, and you'll, you'll like it. I had never been here. Really? It was very close to the one year when they opened up. And uh, so they were doing a, a, a record for the band. Oh. And they called me out and, and because they, they had didn't have another guy. And they actually brought out another uh, guy that played the uh, piccolo and stuff. Anyway, he came out and did the thing and they offered me a job. Wow. So you came here just for the record? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, and they offered me the job and... and uh, and I thought, oh, I don't know about that because I've been playing in that band there in, uh, in Long Beach at, for, I think, three, three or four years I've been playing there. Yeah. And I thought, ah, I don't think I want that. I don't know anything about it. But when I was here, I walked around, looked in and go in the men's room and everything, and I couldn't believe every single place was so clean. And uh, the guy was, the, the leader was giving me we really need you. We don't have a, the, the guy that one guy that's there. One of the drummers. Uh, uh, they, it's time for him to leave, and, and we have to have somebody. And, and he would. I didn't think anything about it at that point, but later on, I sure did. And uh, so I I took the job, and I then I've been with him ever since. That's when I started, and I had fun, and, and I was still playing at night. In Long Beach, really? we would ride together out here in the morning and ride back there at night. And uh, so it was all fun. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. I'd, so, I'll go on from there a little bit yeah, because uh, pretty soon I, I was in the band and pretty soon one of the guys that uh, was going into the Disneyland Hotel, he said, hey, I want to take a tree He said, come on over. And so I went right across the street, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and I stayed there about, uh, I don't know, two or three years, I guess. So we're playing here in the morning and over there at night. Wow. <laughs> and teaching You're in between. Busy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but no when I finally uh, got off, took off the band, uh, because I was writing arrangements for the band when I was in the band, because, oh, the, uh, oh, now I'm talking about, that was the first thing I was here. Oh. And, uh, and I, the leader was from England, and his son was uh, the, the top entertainment guy here. 
something like that. And he died. Is it Tommy Walker. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, but all he had it, were, it was a library with the old style band, and so I'd write one and put it in, and and after a, a two or three of them, it, he he was going crazy about it. Yeah, and and Tommy uh, said, yeah, write some more for the other people, and so I was doing that, but I was still in the band. And then finally, he came to me and said, how about if I just take you out of the band and you, you sit full time in your own office and just write things you want. And that's what he did. Wow. And it was was really neat because uh, I had a great secretary. It was a girl that I had with a rock band that I put together in the park here. I'm going to tell you about that. Yeah. I'm telling you that some of the things that were good. But her name was Kay Bell. You probably don't remember anybody named I, Kay Bell. I, I did some research, uh -huh. and she was with the Bell Sisters. Yeah. And I actually do you know the Bell right Sisters. On the head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I know the Bell Sisters um, because I have a recording, one of their recordings. Oh, she was great. She really? Was really. So what? Was she, she was working with you then? Yeah, she came in as my secretary. Oh, wow. And and you see, I had a a, a rock band that I put together uh, when the. Uh, when I, I was still in the band, this was before I made this other step, and so I put together a band to play at night for the teenage kids. Oh, okay. And uh, you know, all of them were young except me, <laughs> but uh, and and it ended up being, you know, we had the uh, the regular big band at the at the same place that had been there for years longer, and they said we want something for the teenagers, you know, and I put together a group of, of uh, all young guys except myself and I had Kay Bell and that was the band and I've got some pictures of those someplace if they've oh, really? been anything but anyway uh, she loved it uh, she wasn't married yet or anything and, and so when um, uh, when Tommy said uh, you know yeah you want to go and, and have your own office and uh, you won't play in the band and I said sure but I, I would need a good secretary and he said yeah. Who do you want? I said, Kay Bell. Yeah. <laughs> he said, good, you got it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And we were together for a long time. Really? Yeah, she was a great girl. And, uh, oh, and she was singing here originally, though? Yeah. She sang Before, in that nighttime band I had here. Was that, now there was something you did called the Spacemen. Is that what the, was that I, it? I or have is about that else? four or five different names that we had oh. through those years. <laughs> really? The Mustangs was one. Really? Uh, all I, the rock band? Huh? It was all the rock band, though, in Tomorrowland? Yeah, it was all, I, uh, and I did something different than what, uh, sounds like I'm, I'm trying to say something big deal, but it was something that they hadn't been doing, putting uh, a horn section uh, with the rock groups, but that's what I did. Really? And, uh, and we, had, if, little by little, we were getting all the people over there at the, at the other, Stage the, in Tomorrowland. Yeah, and uh, the, we were pulling more traffic over there than the big bands, the name bands had at the other place. Oh. And uh, some of them they wouldn't even let in to come in because uh, they all wanted to come in wearing their rock stuff. The girls did, and a little oh, bit fans? too short. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, they had a dress, quite a strict dress code, didn't they, for the yeah. uh, people coming in here? But that's the way they dressed. It wasn't yeah. like just doing it to come here. And, yeah. Uh, but we packed that place, and that's when Walt came out, and he said, uh, if we're going to 
build another one. This is too good. He did. I, I swear to God, man. And, wow. and, uh, Back then? and uh, that's what they did. And yeah. he used to come out every weekend when he was here. <laughs> he'd always come over there and hang around a little bit. I don't mean he'd sit down or stay, but he would do. You know? yeah. And then when they redone, when they were redoing that thing after a period, after this is after they uh, finished doing that, then uh, we were playing at a stage over there on... Uh, Pan Tomorrowland. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Had yeah, the yeah. Stage. yeah. And we would play there on the weekend. Now, did you get to see Walt often when he was here? Yeah, not often. I mean, I'd see him, but there was, I would say, maybe a dozen times that I had uh, lunch or dinner with him. Not just with me, but with several other guys, you know, and he was neat to be with. You know? and, and a lot of the guys were... They were good days. I want to take a break here for a minute. Stan, Sonny was talking about Walt Disney saying he's going to build a new stage in Tomorrowland for the rock and roll bands. Do you know what stage that was? Probably that was, he was referring to the world famous um, Tomorrowland Terrace stage. Was the, it? The one that comes out of the ground. The, yeah. At one time it was called Coke Terrace, sponsored by Coca-Cola. And uh, yeah, that has featured some of the great up-and-coming rock bands. Uh, Sonny had a knack of being able to see a, a band and know that they were going to really make it and connect with them and hire them at Disney before they did. Now, they didn't make it because they worked at Disney, but he caught them on the way up. So mm -hmm. we got bands that five years later we would have never been able to afford but he caught him on the way up, and we got him there. It, uh, you know, no doubt is one of those bands that comes to mind that he he hired uh, Gwen Stefani and No Doubt for wow. the uh, um, grad nights. Really? You know? Yeah. So I mean, he was he did that with a lot of different bands, and they would be featured on that stage, which has turned out to be, uh, you know, probably the most famous rock and roll ongoing rock and roll stage in the world. You know, you could argue that maybe the Roxy. Up there it is, but that's a whole different deal. That's a that's a club. But as far as a stage uh, and a venue, I would say that that Tomorrowland stage probably was the most famous, and everybody wanted to work on that stage. Really? Yeah, everybody. I would get calls daily <laughs> about people that would just say, "We'll play, we'll play there for free. We no want to play on that stage that comes up out of the ground." Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, my kids both worked there. Did they? You know, Josh and Jason worked there. Josh worked there with a band named Polo. And they had won Junior Star Search, and and uh, they played over there, and they were a great success. They had to have security as they walked around the park. They were so successful. Wow. So he loved that. In fact, as I just took Josh down there the other day, because they're going to redo that stage, there's not going to be any more Top 40 at Disneyland, mm -hmm. and um, uh, which is a heartbreaker for me. But anyhow, I wanted Josh, and Josh wanted to go downstairs and see his old stomping ground. Josh now is a real yeah. successful rock and roll drummer with Sting and with, you know, Nine Inch Nails and blah, blah, blah. But anyhow, yeah. sublime. So, <laughs> um, uh, but he went down and just walked around down there and remembered those good old days. But everybody wanted to play the stage that came out of the ground, the yeah. Tomorrowland stage. And it's crazy to think that Sonny was right there when Walt decided to create a new stage. And Sonny was one of huh. the first bands to ever play on there. Was he? With his bands, yeah. With uh, the Spaceman, yeah. Kay Bell and the Spaceman. Yeah. And, um, what was the name of the other one? Did you and say? the Mustangs. Yeah, the Mustangs. He talked, he talked sure. about him what yeah. we just heard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And one of the Mustangs uh, that subbed once in a while in there was Ron Logan on trumpet. And Ron oh, was Logan he? became the leader of the Disney World Band. No, Disneyland. No, Disney World. Yeah, Florida. After that, after I left. Hmm. 
Well, in this next segment, Sunny talks about the Night of Joy, a contemporary music festival featuring performances by Christian superstars in rock, pop, and gospel, and it began at Disneyland and continues going strong annually in Walt Disney World. Did you ever work on the Night of Joy? Yeah, I sure did. I worked on that with Sunny, and that was Sunny's brainchild. And it was a total genius move on his part uh, to bring, actually, for Night of Joy, mostly it was gospel. <laughs> and we would feature most of it. Uh, uh, we, we did it on some of them, Tomorrowland Terror stage, uh, the Carnation stage, but uh, also the Golden Horseshoe, and um, the stage where Teddy Buckner used to play it over in the French Market, the French oh. Market stage. Yeah. So that park was alive with the greatest gospel music in the world. Hmm. A big, successful thing. Yeah, it was great. I started um, uh, the, the Christian thing, uh, a night of joy. Oh, night of yeah, joy. Oh, yeah. you mean like they have in Florida? Yeah, and we put oh. that together, and and I put things together because uh, my uh, my wife's son was working with. Uh, they were Christian guys that were having hits, and uh, so I had a heck of a time getting uh, Dick to okay to do a weekend, uh, you know, with the tickets thing. Oh. And we started with that, and we did it a couple years. Uh, during that, the early when school was going back. And then we started doing one in January, and then we started doing one in, in um, uh, I think it was May or June. Uh, and so we had three Christian events. Wow. And the first first two times that, that we did it, and I went to, to uh, Dick Nunes. Oh, yeah. He was a pain in the ass. Really? Uh, he said, no, he said, we can't, and I, I said, this will be really good, Dick. And, and uh, he said, "All right, I'm going to let you let us try it for once, but there, nobody can preach up there. All they can do is play music." And I said, "Okay, you know, it's that's fine." And it came in, and they tore that place up with the numbers of people. Sold out. Really? Yeah, at a private party. So he didn't even want to do it. No, he didn't want to. And. Uh, there have been quite a few things I had with him. Really? Yeah, and, but I always won. <laughs> well, in the next part of this conversation, Sunny discusses the beginnings of the World Symphony Orchestra, which is a very unique orchestra which was assembled for the grand opening of Walt Disney World in 1971. It was conducted by Arthur Fiedler. Before performing for the televised Disney World celebration, the orchestra first assembled and performed at Lincoln Center with just 14 hours of rehearsal. And after the Disney World performance, they just had one last concert at the Kennedy Center. Now, you were working with Walt Disney World right from the start. In fact, you were the very first leader of the Walt Disney World Band. And you were there at the grand opening and saw the World Symphony Orchestra, right? I was there when they did their first performance, and uh, which was part of this whole long grand opening to Walt Disney World, which really was a big deal televised all over the world. And that symphony was a big deal. And, uh, you know, to think that they put that symphony together of members from all over the world, other symphonies, before computers and cell phones. <laughs> yeah. Think of that. Yeah. And emails and, you know. So yeah. it was snail mail and a regular old telephone putting together these wonderful, big, totally involved pieces of uh, entertainment, and I, I still marvel at how we did it back then. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of all that. Yeah. Well, let's take a listen to more of Sonny. Now, you were doing, you were hired, you said, Tommy had you do the arranging, you got your office. Yeah, oh, then, yeah. So, he, where did you go from there? Eventually, you were... Uh, I, I still had the, um, uh, the band, I was still playing with the band at night, 
the band that I had put together, the rock band. Okay. So I was still doing that, and uh, we were uh, starting to, to play for uh, Monday was rock night, Wednesday was country, and Friday was something else. And, uh, and that was really when I... I, I uh, Bob Yanni, you've heard of him. No, sure. Oh, man, he's a great guy. I worked with him. So my office was right next to his, my desk. Anyway, uh, and he came to me and he said, he said, Sonny, you're going to have to quit playing if you want me to promote you, which I'm going to do. And um, What was Bob Yanni's position? Bob Yanni was the president or vice president of entertainment. Oh, okay. So he, he said to you that you have to stop playing and he wanted to promote yeah. you. Yeah, wow. and he gave he, he just moved me up in a position that didn't uh, there was no such thing, but he created you know that was all the entertainment stuff, and um, and he was a neat guy. He was the kind of guy that would do things that people would say you can't do that. Oh really? And I'm not kidding. He did things like a, a good example yeah. is when we uh, when we opened Walt Disney World, and. Uh, he came in my office one day. He did that a lot because I was usually there late at night, and and he would if I if the two of us were there, and he'd come in and say, "There's a team." He said, "Hey, I got a great idea." He said, "How about if we put a big symphony orchestra there for the uh, to come in? But we'll get the one from every country all over the world and bring them in and rehearse them, and then when we do the opening, they'll be there playing." My man, <laughs> you, you, you got to fly them here from all over the world. Really, only one person from each country. Yeah. <laughs> it took them there when they brought them over. But anyway, and, and then after they rehearsed, they came down there and they did one rehearsal that day and they did the thing and it was dynamite. And wow. What Bob Yachty promoted you? When he said he had the promotion, is that what he wanted to do? Is make you well, a talent booker? At that time, then I was doing the, the writing stuff. Right. And. Uh, and then when he came and asked me, he wanted to take me into booking all the things for him. That's what I was doing. And, and he told me, he said, you can't be hiring the guys and then, and then you go in and play with them. Oh, yeah. Because I was sense. playing all of it across the street there and yeah. the Long Beach place. Uh, I was playing uh, drums or percussion, whatever they needed. Anyway, uh, so I said, okay, I'd do it. And so I went for quite a while. And um, one one day, I had a guy call me, and he said, "Hey, I'm stuck with the percussionist. Can you just come in and do this one?" He said, "Something happened, and we just need somebody to come in and play that percussion stuff. For this is a big deal, you know." Yeah. It was a it was the, yeah, the uh, Miss America, not Miss America, but was something of all girls from all over the world. I'm sorry to pass it. Yeah, and and anyway, so I went over and played it, and, and I. One of the guys, um, the vice president of uh, his family was here. And, and oh, Ron Dominguez? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neat, neat guy. Man. Really? Anyway, and so he came down to the pit that day that I was playing for that guy. He said, how you been, man? And he said, I didn't, hadn't seen you do this for a while and everything. And, and it was intermission. And so we talked a little bit. And then the next morning, I got a call from Bob that he wanted me to come in and see him right away. So I walked in and, and uh, I sat down and how's it going? How is this? And we talked and he said, so I think he's not saying anything. So I said, Bob, what, what did you want me so early for? He said, don't you remember when you took the job and you said no more playing 
here in the area, you know, playing in the... Uh, and I said, oh my God, I'm sorry. I said, and I told him what happened. The guy got sick and I was just helping. Anyway, then about uh, six months or so after that, uh, you know, in those early times there, Walt Disney had that, you know. And uh, so I started growing a mustache and nobody in the property was doing it. But we had that picture downstairs by the office, a big picture, and it's okay, it's okay you know. So I was in Palm Springs, and I get this call. Hey, Bob wants you to stop by uh, as soon as you get back. And, and I mean, soon. I said, that's all right. I'll be back a day or two. And I went in, and the same thing. I sat there, and he said, starts talking to me. And we're talking about all kinds of stuff. And I said, Bob, what do you want me in for? Yeah. And he says, well, you know that we don't wear mustaches, and you're going to have to get rid of it now. And I said... I don't care because I didn't like it anyway, but it was <laughs> funny to me. And, uh, uh, but he was a neat guy. We did a lot of traveling stuff together, too. Oh, really? Yeah, I wish he was still alive. You could meet him. He's a super nice guy. I wanted to stop here just for a second to ask you about Bob Yanni because when we started, you said he was one of the people who hired you. Right. And I'll go back to Sonny Anderson's arranging because Bob Yanni was the one that also had asked him to do some arrangements for the band. Sonny Anderson is the most underrated because he did so many other things they never really talked about his arranging, but his mm. arrangements were absolutely wonderful, mm. totally wonderful. And uh, I've taken some with me uh, around the country as I guest conducted and people cannot believe the great arrangements that Sonny Anderson did back then. For everything from a big band to a, a marching band to a saxophone quintet to a, a Dixie unit, he could arrange anything. But anyhow, so that was Bob Yanni putting him to work. Bob saw that talent. But Bob was a genius. Bob was the first real genius behind the Walt Disney Company, I think, mm. besides Walt. You sure. know, I mean... Uh, as far as live entertainment and creative ideas and electrical parades and and fireworks, the kind of fireworks that he created and the kind of parades that we did up and down Main Street, uh, this guy was a total genius. Hmm. So he brought me up from Disney World after I'd been there a couple of years to be director of bands here at Disneyland because the whole thing was just a little sleepy here at the time. So he thought maybe some of my youth and energy might be good for it. So I rehearsed the band. I came here to Anaheim. I rehearsed them for two weeks straight. And I brought in new repertoire that was really going to be fun. And the guys in the band enjoyed it. And so I remember my first concert at Disneyland. And we got a standing ovation oh. from the audience, from the concert. And the, the Disneyland band had never gotten a standing ovation at, okay. a, at a concert before. And I just knew how to program. And I ended up with, you know, uh, Glenn Miller's in the mood and everybody naturally right. loves that. So I go back down to my office and I'm thinking I'm pretty hot, you know. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I get there and all of a sudden a note comes down from Bob. Now, the band room and the band office was in the, on the bottom floor of the basement of the administration building. Sonny's office uh, and Bob Yanni's was on the very top floor where my ended up being up there with Sonny. But, but at that time, so down came Bob Yanni's secretary and hand-delivered a sealed envelope. This was an hour after the concert that Bob had attended where I got the standing ovation. So I'm thinking, wow, here comes... 
a raise or here comes Stan. Man, that was the best. And all it said was, because this is when Indian turquoise first started to get real popular uh, among mainstream. And that mm -hmm. was about 74, 73, 74. And I love turquoise. I still mm -hmm. do. Got way too much of it. <laughs> but so all, and I, I had worn a turquoise bracelet at that concert. But also, but I was also wearing a turn of the century band uniform. Oh. So I didn't think anything of it, you know. Well, the note said, Stan, a turquoise Indian bracelet is not in keeping with a turn of the century John Philip Sousa band uniform. Thank you, Bob. Wow. Didn't say one word about oh, you knocked him dead or anything. Yeah. And I looked at that note and... You know, I, I, later he told me what a great job he did, but I think maybe the only reason that that's all he said was in that note was he wanted that to have an impact on him. Right. And it cut me down a notch if I was going to get too big for my britches over that concert, too, you know. Yeah. So, but isn't that funny? That's so But he funny. was a great guy. He was. I used to love to watch how he dressed, and I would, and, and I still emulate it sometimes. Like, he would have a different color watch band every day for whatever clothes he was wearing. No kidding. If he had a black suit, it was a black watch band. If he had a green suit, it was a green watch band. You know I mean? So yeah. this guy, you know, and then once he left Disney, then he went to Radio City Music Hall right. and totally redid that to the nth degree. And then unfortunately, right soon after that, started to get ill and, and passed oh, wow. away. But the guy was total detail. He would even say, even before a TV appearance uh, for, of our dancers, uh, singers and dancers, he would say to the guys, don't shave a day before, shave right before the performance. That <laughs> way you'll know you're very clean shaven. Oh, yeah. If you shave that morning and shave again, you you know, you might not be that clean shaven. But he said, make sure you can see all the stubble when you shave before huh. a TV shoot. It seems like he was just so detailed. Detailed, boy. Perfection. But not, but not so much where people were afraid of him. It sounds like, obviously, from the interview, Sonny was really fond of him. And, and you, oh, he was you, a great guy. Yeah. He was a wonderful, classy human being. Thanks, Dan. Let's listen to the last part of the conversation I had with Sonny. For the World Showcase, did, how did you find the talent for each of the countries? Different ways for different countries. Um, we could only bring people in uh, uh, at Epcot. Um, the entertainment people could only come in for one year. And so we had to find new people every year. Was that because they were from an international, out of the country, is that why? Yeah, they were out of the country. Okay. And they could come in for one, one, like I say, one year. And sometimes I could bring them back, but I'd have to wait with a year in between. But we would go to different places for different countries, uh, and, and different countries, uh, you, you would go to places and you set up auditions and they would come in. Other places I had to go to a little party someplace or all, all over Norway. For That was one of the really tough ones, but it was great talent. Really? Excuse me. And, and then, um, you know, just all of them. Italy so for and, each country that was represented, you went to the real country to find talent? Oh, yeah. Wow. That's the way it was set up. What did you do before you would go to the country? Did you first find out what some, groups were there? How would you know what to look Some for? I would find out from somebody who was working with them, or somebody would tell me uh, there's a guy in, in, you know, whether it was uh, Mexico or whether it was someplace else. And I would uh, sometimes I would know somebody from that country, or somebody else would steer me to it, you know? Yeah. 
and uh, and I liked it because I'd go twice a year to each yeah. place. Wow, you must have been pretty busy with that. <laughs> it was fun though. Now, did you handle? You went to you left Disneyland to work for Disney World, right? Is that yeah. why you left here? Yeah. Well, and, I went to both, and then little by little, they said you can't come back here anymore because you, this is, you know, two or three or four times the size. Of this. And, and uh, so that was when I moved full time back there. And I was gone all the time, not not just those things, but all over the place. The, the name talent too for here, the rock groups and everything else. I go to the guys in New York or Chicago or New Orleans a lot. Oh, fun. Yeah, for, well, for those kind of groups too. We'd have Dixieland groups and stuff like out of New Orleans. But the New York guys, they have tons of agents up there. And when we're doing the big bands, uh, the guy up there that did all big bands and you know it was just a I didn't hire the uh, uh, the dancers I would have singers and dancers like I always brought one of the choreographers to to Hawaii when I auditioned over there you know with that there was 30 34 36 people in the Polynesian show we wouldn't hire anybody to be on the Hawaiian show unless they were from Hawaii when you started with Disneyland here, was that how it was? Is you would still get the authentic talent, like you would get Mexican Mexican mariachis? I mean, you'd, yeah, everything was authentic I, I back then. At that point, I reached a like point New where Orleans I was having all the entertainment. And, uh, and, uh, so the jazz that you heard in New Orleans Square here was from New Orleans. Uh, or the one we had down on the boat. Mm -hmm. uh, they, those were guys in LA that, uh, these were old guys, man. They were 60, 70 years old. These guys were famous jazz guys yeah. in the early days of that, you know? Yeah. Probably not even 10% of the people that got on the boat would know that. Well, that's the end of the interview with Sonny, but I'm amazed how authentic all that entertainment was that he hired. Yeah, well, that was his thing, and that continued to be my thing, too. And that was, you know, like, uh, the, he was a, just loved New Orleans, New Orleans jazz. And um, so when we would do entertainment on the Mark Twain or over on the French market, he would have, like, Teddy Buckner, he would have Jewel Hall, he would have some of these unbelievable... Uh, a, the real deal musicians from New Orleans yeah. playing these different locations. And he hired, uh, in that same authentic uh, vein, he hired Jack McVeigh to play clarinet in The Bachelors. And The Bachelors oh. was a trio for him. And isn't first. the Royal Street Bachelors? Royal Street Bachelors yeah. was a trio that started as a trio. Now it's like a five-piece band or whatever. Back in the early days, it was a trio led by Jack McVeigh, who Sonny got out of the South, and uh, was a tenor sax player, and had a hit that sold a million copies called Open the Door Richard in 1955 or something. Hmm. Anyhow, and didn't make a penny off the record because that's what happened to black musicians in those days. Um, so he hired... Uh, Jack McVeigh to come up here to, to Anaheim to start this New Orleans trio over in New Orleans. And uh, one of the musicians that passed through that band, thanks to Sonny, was Ernie McLean. And Ernie was the guitar player with Fats Domino. And, and just, I had him working there. Uh, for me, I continued after I took Sonny's spot. Uh, I kept, naturally, I kept all those guys on until they passed away. Um, but, um, 
Ernie couldn't be heard on the original uh, uh, Blueberry Hill. That's Domino's. Gosh. And yeah, did all of those things. And uh, and Terry, uh, the the guitar player that's over there now from New Orleans, uh, was uh, played with uh, Little Richard. So who was a Southern, you know, starting of rock and roll kind mm -hmm, of guy. Sure. Uh, so anyhow, Sonny was, and he insisted on everything being authentic, as well as the the Polynesian and Hawaiian dancers that he would bring to Walt Disney World uh, for the big Polynesian show down there, which I don't even know if it's still going now oh, as, really? as of recent. Well, you might want to check on that. But yeah. he would go to Hawaii and get the real deal and hire real deal Hawaiian and Polynesian uh choreographers to help him with the auditions hmm. and then bring them up to Disney World and then they would also come to Disneyland because we had they are um, Tahitian Terrace at, at Disneyland oh, for years and years so yeah Sonny wanted the real deal hmm. and that back then Disney cared about the real deal you know so that hmm. was wonderful yeah well thanks for reminiscing about Sonny today this was great I really appreciate it yeah my pleasure the guy was my hero we hope you've enjoyed this Mouse Clubhouse conversation. Thank you for joining us.